and welcome to Series 3 of the Female Athlete Podcast. We're dedicated to opening up the conversation around female physiology and women's health around sport and exercise. We have some really exciting interviews lined up for you in Series 3, so join us as we open up the conversation. We're now offering education sessions. If you think you, your business, your club or school could benefit from this, we can tailor it to various audiences and talk about different topics to do with female physiology and health. If you'd like more information, please get in touch via email, femaleathletepodcast at gmail.com. We're delighted to welcome on board Umi Health as our title sponsors for Series 3. Umi-health.com is your go-to one-stop hub for all things pelvic health. Umi are empowering, educating and uplifting women through their evidence-based and easily digestible online courses, e-books, interactive webinars and blogs. Arm yourself with the knowledge you deserve to understand your body better and exercise in a way that is mindful of your long-term pelvic health and all for less than the price of a smoothie. Come join the revolution at umi-health.com. That's umi-health.com. Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 3 of the Female Athlete Podcast. Now, there's been a lot of conversation in the media recently around women's safety in public places and harassment in general. And it's been highlighted through many women speaking out just how commonplace harassment is and how nearly every woman or girl has experienced a form of harassment, no matter how mild, in their lives. Whilst all avenues of the discussion and debate around this topic are important, where we want to come into the conversation is regarding harassment and exercise. For example, women experiencing catcalling, being shouted at or stared at or worse, groped or stalked whilst out running, cycling, walking and general exercising outdoors, which again does seem to be quite a common occurrence for women. So in this episode, we will speak to a couple of different women on this topic, including elite runner Sarah McDonald and recreational runners who have experienced harassment whilst out in public. And we're also speaking to a well-known researcher in the area of harassment and exercise, Dr. Dave Hindley. But firstly, I just wanted to hear from both you, Georgie and Jess, as you have both had long careers in running and spent many miles outdoors training. Um, what are your experiences in this area? And would you say it's commonplace? Um, and how does the type of attention when you are out running and any form of harassment, how, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I think this is something as a runner, even when I was younger, I think now I think back, um, you know, I might even be running with a group of guys like at the club when I was you know 17 or so you still used to get people like yelling go one on eight like oh great original or pick your knees up and people standing in the way the path on purpose and you know when I was with a group of guys I didn't really think anything of it and we used to just I think some people used to shout back or we just carry on and run past whatever um but now I don't really train with anyone um if I do get shouted at or um you know someone shouts something or does something which is does happen I wouldn't say it's like super common for me to experience it but it has happened definitely uh you know on more than one occasion it's sort of it does make you feel a little bit vulnerable especially if you're on your own and I don't know if anyone else feels this like when you're in your own you're on a run you're sort of in your own zone you're in your own thoughts someone shouts something at you, you you startle yourself a little bit you sort of make yourself jump and you're like oh god what was that and it can you know I think I've looked at my heart rate readings afterwards and you can see like a spike where I've just like come out of my shell a little bit and I do get really perturbed by it and it's 
I think more so now as I get older, I get more angry and frustrated. And sometimes I do shout back. And uh, some people are a bit like, oh, I didn't expect that. But I think because I just think, just leave me alone. Like, I'm just minding my own business. What am I doing to you? So why does it feel like it's okay for you to shout at me? And I think it's almost normal. It's almost expected. And I think that's what we've heard from a lot of stories that have come out in the media that, oh, yeah, this happened to me so many times and this happened to me as well. And people share the same story and it's just alarmingly normal. I think there is things like, you know, in clubs now, there's like WhatsApp groups where they can share, oh, I ran in this certain place and I, I got eggled at or shouted at and that kind of sort of camaraderie now building between women. But it's certainly more normal than it should be. And it's good that people are speaking out about it and people can hopefully you know come together a little bit and support one another um and obviously now there's like technologies that like your watch can track you where you are your phone and stuff so it makes you know perhaps a female feel a little bit safer but still it shouldn't be happening uh you know like the amount it is or it shouldn't be a normal thing either what about you Georgie you've had some experiences in this have you yeah so um I it's crazy actually how it's really come to the attention or the media attention in the last well few months really I mean I guess the COVID scenario where gyms haven't been open has really brought it to the fore because more people have been out exercising like by themselves or, or whatever I actually remember really vividly the first time it happened to me by myself and so after finishing my GCSEs I went away with some friends to Cornwall and I remember I was out for a run and I was running down this hill and I really clearly remember this van um some like kind of builder's van um honking at me and shouting out the window and I was like totally taken aback and I guess I hadn't really run much by myself at that sort of age so I was must be 16 and I was actually just really really scared um and I think I just like got this massive adrenaline rush and ran back to where I was staying with my friends um and then I guess like since then so I've like moved running clubs and I've I've always I, I'd say it's just so normal like I'm just so used to it and it's it's actually horrible also being a redhead I must say I often get shouted out extra things around being a redhead um which isn't necessarily ideal um but then I like the other thing which I think um I've also experienced recently is I've been tailed slightly um I, I know I've told you Lucy and Jess about this um I was out on a run and I was just followed by a car um, and then I tried to run a different way and um, had to loop back on myself and the car was waiting there and you know I don't know whether they were actually waiting for me or what but it was like really really um, anxious making and so I think since then I've been way more careful about the time of day I run and where I go but I just think it is actually crazy that we have just become so normalized to it and I think to to your point Jess as well where um you said it's actually really dangerous like I think it must have been a couple of days ago I was running along and someone honked at me and I nearly fell off the pavement I was so surprised because I was literally in my zone um and I'd say I live in like quite a relatively quiet area that you wouldn't expect that from people around here so um yeah it's just it's just crazy and I think we need to bring bring this to the fore to make people realize that it's not okay to do that um especially 
like at the moment with COVID and as I said, access to gyms might be limited, but also people might might not want to be going out um to a, a public space to exercise where they feel threatened. So people need to be able to go and have freedom. And I don't think we should be held back by fear and anxiety around this, but I think we need to work out better ways to manage it. It's like I was just thinking it's like an exercise in intimidation isn't it like you just feel so intimidated by whether it's someone honking like driving past at a at fast speed in a van or someone's hailing you I mean that that experience is the worst because I recently had had that and it, they just it's just like it's almost like they're daring you to look and daring you to react and and like you said Jess yeah, you're it fires you up and for the entire run all I could do was think about it and my adrenaline was through the roof and it just ruins your headspace. It ruins that you're out on a run to have time to yourself, obviously for all the benefits of physical exercise and whatever, but you know, it's your time and to have someone invade your brain just through their own selfish actions and ignorant ignorance. It's, it's really maddening. Um, yeah. And I'd also just add, like, I, I mean, obviously in the media, it's focusing on females, but I do think that males can be susceptible to this as well. Like some of my male friends who run, like I, I know that they've had abuse held at them. And like I was saying with my first running club and Jess, you were saying with your running club, like you've been around men when they've had abuse thrown at them too. So it's, it's crazy really. And it's crazy that it's just acceptable. It seemed to be acceptable. We're now going to hear from a few runners about their experiences. The first we'll hear from is Sarah McDonald, who actually came on our podcast back in series one to talk about her struggles with endometriosis. But Sarah is an elite athlete. She runs in the 1500 metres and she recently had a rather upsetting experience in Birmingham on the canal towpath. And we'll leave Sarah to tell you her experience and how it made her feel. Hi, so obviously a few things have changed since we last spoke on the podcast. Um, I've got a new coach now, Andy Hobdell, and that's going really well and it's exciting to like work towards the summer together. He's put a lot more endurance training in my programme, which is probably what I needed, but it has been pretty hard work. Um, yeah, so looking forward to the summer and just hoping that some races will come around soon, which I'm sure they will. In terms of what happened to me recently, I was warming up for a session. I think I had some 800 reps and I was just going to do those on the canal because parks have been so busy recently and we've got quite a quiet stretch near where I live. And my boyfriend came with me on the bike so that he could carry my shoes and stuff as I warmed up. And he shouted at me to move over because there was a, a bike coming. So I moved over to the side of the canal and this moped with two guys on came past me and slowed down and the guy that was on the back of the moped um grabbed my bomb and was shouting things at me and yeah like things like this had happened before well not like this but things I'd been shouted at and stuff before but no one had ever touched me and it just left me in a bit of a state of shock really that anyone could do that or think it was okay to do that Obviously, I turned to Twitter just to make people aware that this had happened. And yeah, I, I did not expect the response I did from that tweet. It, it exploded and 
the media were trying to get a hold of me and wanting me to speak on TV and stuff about the incident, which was quite difficult, actually, because at the same time as trying to get over the incident, I was then having to talk about it more. Um, I did not expect the reaction I got, and I didn't expect so many women to come and talk to me and say that they'd experienced similar. It really shocked me how many people had been through a similar experience that I had. Um, but I was really glad that I could raise awareness through this, through my social media accounts and let other people know that they weren't alone if they hadn't spoken to anyone about it, which was actually really rewarding for me in an odd way. Um, in terms of like what I think could be done to like help people in the future make women feel a bit safer when running... I do think that this has been exacerbated recently because of lockdown and obviously people can't train at club nights and in groups and have in these dark evenings had to go out on their own after work because there's just no other option. So hopefully that will change now we're coming out of lockdown. People can run together and in groups and obviously clubs, club nights will restart. But as a message to like men, I just think that people should... They should respect women on the streets the same way they would expect their daughters or wives to be respected. Like, they wouldn't want similar situations to happen to them. So just think about that, really. So on the harassment side, I actually reached out to a couple of my friends um, who are all, you know, keen exercisers and regular runners. And they came back with some really interesting stories. Well, not really interesting, but quite sad, I suppose. So one of my friends said that she was running near her house um, they live in a nice area, sort of a, there's a bit of a woods nearby um, and she was on her way back and a person in a white van started pimping the horn, um, following her a bit and she just ignored it, carried on running and then when she was crossing the road, I think the van was uh, coming up at the same point and the guy in the van made sort of a, a gesture with his hands and his tongue and obviously that was not very nice and she said she was really angry and upset when she got home um so just one example there and then another couple of my friends actually interestingly enough said when she was quite young 13 so she's my age now so was playing tennis uh, with her friends and they were walking back from the tennis house a tennis clubhouse to her parents which you know is like a 10-15 minute walk and um, again some men started shouting things from a van at the group of friends she was with and again they were only 13 she can't quite remember exactly what she said but what they said but it was extremely vulgar she said and obviously she told her parents when they got home and, and the friends parents as well and they said well you know, it might be better that you weren't wearing like your tennis skirts, you know, perhaps take some tracksuit bottoms. And at the time, I think, you know, she didn't think anything of it. But now thinking back, that's obviously not appropriate, really, and not something she should have to do. Obviously, the person was probably thinking just an easier way around the situation to get out of the issue. So no fault for them. But again, it's an example of like how women sometimes have to change their behaviours or do it automatically. So yeah, that's just a handful of um, examples just from my small, close group of friends. You know, imagine what it would be if you were to sample the whole of the UK population. It's unbelievable, really, the amount that 
we are exposed to as women when we're exercising outdoors um, and something really needs to be done. So one time I was running by myself in Perth and um, I came across a car full of 16, 17 year old boys who spotted me and um, started following me in their car. It was down um, like every street I turned, they would follow me and it maybe lasted for four or five minutes. Um, and they were just finding it hilarious and I don't know, um, I just felt very stupid to be honest um, and like objectified. I didn't, um, I didn't think to report it and I think it's because in the context they were young and I didn't feel threatened by them, I just felt, it was more of an annoyance to be honest. Uh, if, it, if they were older men I probably to be honest, I didn't even, I, I've never really thought before about going to the police for that kind of thing because it seems um, a small thing to report. And just lastly, we also got these stories sent in from other listeners, which I'll read out now. One says, I was running last week around our area in London and at the end of our road, building work's going on. I ran past this and was greeted by three builders, wolf whistling and shouting at me. It's horrible when this happens as it makes you feel very self-conscious and out of your comfort zone, even though I was a matter of metres from my front door. Needless to say, I changed my running route on the way back as didn't want to go past them again. I also think it's worth flagging that a lot of females don't feel safe running at night in the dark, which I don't think is the same for men due to the unwarranted attention and not feeling safe. Another reader wrote in and said, I've had so many things said to me while I'm out running. I love a girl in Lycra or Smile Love or where you off to. Another listener says, I'm conscious of what I dress in to run so as not to attract attention to myself. I cover up my boobs and legs if possible. And another listener said, two weeks ago, I was going for a jog and a man whistled at me as I went past. I felt pretty uncomfortable, so I told him to F off, but then had to take a slight detour on the way back to after my run to avoid him. I guess it's probably heightened because I often feel so uncomfortable in my skin-tight workout leggings and feel pretty objectified. I need to invest in running shorts now, it's getting warmer, but I'm struggling to find something that isn't too short to avoid any uncomfortable comments or whistles in the future. This does just seem to be the kind of sad reality that us as women live in, you know, having to change our actions, our behaviour, decide on different times of the day to train or what to wear just to avoid comments and harassment from men and you know this is the sad truth and the fact that it's been so normalized is is something that we do also want to speak to an expert about and and kind of get his perspective on it so we're now going to head to our interview with Dr Dave Hinley. So today we have with us uh, Dr Dave Hinley he is a principal lecturer from Nottingham Trent University um, obviously a colleague of mine, delighted to have Dave with us today. Um, Dave's taught a lot in sport education and now primarily in sort of sports sociology. He's published a number of research papers and book chapters around like sport regulation, policy, stakeholder involvement. Um, but more recently, his research has moved him towards understanding like harassment in sport and particularly how females have experienced this type of harassment when out exercising. And that's the topic that we're really interested to talk to Dave about today. So welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thanks very much for the invitation. Delighted to be here. Dave, there's obviously, uh, it's quite a hot topic at the moment, harassment in public spaces. And and um, recently, The Telegraph came out with a, a study that they, they were writing up about, um, I think it's the 2021 Women's National Running Survey um, that found that 69% of women don't feel safe or adjust their behaviour to feel safe when they run. 
while 79% have been shouted at and nearly a third have considered stopping running due to safety concerns. So, you, you know, when you started to, to, to delve deeper into harassment and exercise and, and women's experiences, were you surprised by the outcomes or the, the experiences of women? So I guess in terms of, of kind of prevalence, um, I wouldn't necessarily say I've, I've been kind of surprised by what I've found. Uh, in many ways, it echoes, I think, the statistics you were, you were citing a, a moment ago. That there's, there's a sense then that there's, um, there's a kind of a normalisation mm. of, of, of kind of harassment. Um, and in a broader scale, that perhaps also echoes then, as you say at the moment, you know, recent movements around things like Me Too, in the aftermath of, you know, the horrific murder of, of Sarah, Sarah Everard. You know, very powerful testimonies from women of, you know, the types of, of sort of street and public harassment that they've, they've faced. Um, but I think overall, it, what really strikes me is, is the kind of almost the commonplace nature of it. Um, it's what Laura Bates, who's written a book about everyday sexism, um, describes as this kind of weary normalization. So there's this kind of pervasiveness, this kind of almost ingrained nature to, to kind of street harassment where a number of the, the runners that I spoke to described, the, described themselves as kind of fair game. It was almost, you know, once they kind of laced on their trainers and, and went out the front door, there was a kind of an expectation that they were going to experience some form of unwarranted attention. And I think probably that's the override, overriding thing that, that kind of sticks with me. It's alarming, isn't it, really? It's just, it's just terrible. I remember listening to one of your presentations in our seminars and thinking, yeah, this is what I think when I go running, you know, this is, I do think it's normal. And I think what um, struck me was actually, like you just mentioned, there's actually a huge spectrum, isn't there? And they probably all come under the broad banner of harassment. Um, so perhaps some women might not even realise that, you know, someone shouting at them just through, you know, for example, a white van <laughs> that goes past, as you might um, stereotypically assume. Um, that that is a type of harassment, um, whereas some women don't perhaps realise that. Um, do do many women that you speak to and runners in obviously the runners of the the world do they actually like do anything about it, or is it because it's the normal approach and normal expectation, as you suggest, they just sort of crack on and and deal with it? From from my research, I think the majority of people that I've I've kind of spoken to and engage with. Um, don't report um, their experiences of, of, of harassment. So reporting harassment tends, I think, to be to, to be rare. Um, and I think that's also echoed by more general research in this, this area, um, that most people have experienced it, but not a lot of people report it. And I guess it kind of begs the question about why. Um, and I think there are a number of reasons that, that kind of underpin that. I think there is a sense, and, and it's, I guess it's a kind of a misconception that it is kind of harmless um, and that, um, that many runners, yeah, are, feel kind of like they're targets and that it's just something that they kind of put up with. There's a kind of a sh shrugging shoulders and yeah, I'm just going to kind of block it and, and, and kind of move, move on. Um, and I think there's also a bit of a narrative about, about blame that, that some people would then almost internalise it and think, well, was it something to do with the time that I was out running or, or why was I running alone? 
Um, and I guess, again, that kind of speaks to, to a lot of the kind of narrative that you're seeing in the media at the moment around, um, you know, almost is it the responsibility of women to kind of change and kind of model their, their behaviours rather than thinking that this is a kind of a, a societal issue. I think the other interesting thing is, is, is being a researcher in Nottingham. So Nottingham was the kind of first city to almost have a, a fairly kind of pioneering scheme to, to set up their own hate crime commission um, and then to, for the first police force to start record um, sort of public um, harassment of women as a potential um, hate crime. Um, and so that's enabled um, the police force to start to kind of chart and, and record um, the kind of scale of, of, of the problem and hopefully in some ways kind of counter the sense that this is something kind of trivial or a sense that um, yeah, if you report it, you're not going to be taken seriously or the police force won't have the, the training or the kind of understanding. I think on this, at the same time, it needs to be tempered. I, I know a number of scholars who are actually very sceptical about um, almost making this a kind of a criminal offence. Um, and if I think back to some of the experiences of, of kind of women runners, a lot of the harassment tends to be very fleeting. Um, and therefore, it's very difficult to kind of, I guess, almost kind of capture evidence that you would necessarily go to, you know, a police officer with. Or some forms of harassment can be more subtle, which again makes it difficult to, to think about what you're going to do with that, that, that kind of information. Um, so I think, yeah, there are a number of, of, of real challenges that still exist in that, in that area. What would be your advice, Dave? Because actually, I think there's a, there is an ignorance as to, um, with women, like you say, not thinking, thinking it's normal and not reporting it. And is, um, where is like kind of sexual harassment on, on the like, scale, if you like? Um, it's not a criminal offence yet, is it? But what, what can the police do about it if you were to report it? Is there, you know, and what's the, what type of crime would it be recorded as? Forms of harassment can be kind of construed as a form of, of kind of hate crime. Okay. But they're, they're dealt with a, a level of, of, of kind of seriousness. And I think just in the last week, again, I think there's been a kind of an all party sort of cross um, cross party sort of consensus of of trying to kind of raise up um, the, the severity of, of, of misogyny and kind of hate crime and, and harassment. So I think the, the kind of landscape is, is, is changing. But you're right in saying, I think still for the majority of, of women, there's still a sense that, um, yeah, it's, it, this is kind of normalised and to some extent it, it is trivialised and uh, there's a sense that it's not going to be taken sort of seriously. Um, so when I've done pieces in, in kind of local media, I've spoken in particular to people that run um, sort of organised um, sort of social running groups. Um, I think there is a kind of a, a, there is a change in that they're trying to raise awareness of this. And they would definitely advocate and, and advise women runners to, you know, to go to the police, to contact the police. Um, and, and I think certainly a number of people would also take to social media um, and highlight to their kind of, you know, their, their friends and their peers, but also fellow running members, you know, the kinds of encounters that, that, that they've had. So I think there is a kind of a, a raised awareness. Um, in the handful of incidents that I am aware of, you're asking about kind of sanctions you know, I think there have been some instances where, you know, if you are, if you know, if it is possible to identify who the perpetrator was, 
you know, a police officer will go to that person's door and explain what's happened. And then I think then for that individual, actually, it does hopefully have a kind of a change in their, their kind of behaviour. Um, but you're then talking about, you know, handfuls of people. You're talking about individuals in terms of their own behaviour, whereas, you know, harassment is a systemic societal issue. So it's only really kind of skirting at the kind of surface of, of the issue. Yeah, no, it's really interesting because, I mean, even just recently, I was um, kind of trailed or trailed by a, a, by a white van, as Jess was saying, the typical kind of thing. But um, and I reported it to their company because they had their company on the van. And then I thought to myself, well, now now it's in their hands. And they got back to me and did say, thank you, we will deal with this appropriately. But then I thought, you know, I have no guarantee that that will happen. And it's not the police. And maybe actually I should have reported it to the police. It didn't even cross my mind to report it to the police. So it's maybe getting that messaging out there, isn't it? That, that, that you can, that is the right thing to do. It's not overreacting to report it to the police. But, um, my next question is, uh, do you think that the fact that it's so common, this, this kind of harassment while you're on a run for, for women, do you think that that does lead to less women exercising and especially during lockdown? What do you think has been the impact of, of, you know less time outside and less opportunities to go out and and exercise on your on your own but you know meaning that you do want to do it and you 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 might take the risk if you if you kind of understand what I mean yeah but I think certainly there's a sense that or 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 there's a kind of a logic there that clearly this has led led to some women runners you know cease cease running or at the very least and I think certainly this is what my research speaks to is is kind of women's experiences being framed within a kind of a context of, of constraint and certainly women runners sort of altering their, their kind of behaviours. Um, so it's what um, Professor Liz Kelly calls um, safety work. So it's almost the kind of everyday sort of habitual strategies um, that, that women runners will sort of develop in response to either their own lived experiences of harassment or the fear that they have that they will encounter harassment. Um, so the kind of things that I've come across are, um, I guess, in particular, u- use of headphones. Um, so a num- number of people use headphones not to listen to music, but actually to have in because it creates this kind of illusion of separation. So it's an easy way of, of kind of ignoring or blocking, um, you know, ha- harasser. Um, but also a number of runners have mentioned, you know, they'll think very carefully about the kind of the timing of their run or they might think about the route. So they'll try and avoid particular areas. Um, so often things like kind of pubs, um, sort of schools and colleges, I guess in many ways, places where people will, will kind of congregate in groups um, is are, are become almost kind of no-go um, sort of spaces. Um, so there's quite a lot of this, these almost kind of like sort of body techniques. So rather than stopping running, certainly people thinking very carefully about how, how and when they run, as well as, you know, other things like, you know, the attire that they'll wear. Um, so, yeah, lots of almost kind of everyday sort of habitual sort of strategies. Yeah, that's really interesting. And just sort of skipping ahead a bit, but do you think women should have to do that? What's your opinion? Yeah, I think, I think it would be a, a really almost sort of sad indictment if, yeah, we almost go down a route of sort of blaming women runners and saying, well, it's, it's somehow down to you in terms of when you run, 
um, how you're running, you know, someone judging your, your performance and that you don't meet some sort of stereotype or when you run and so on. So, yeah, I, I, I'm always very uneasy with those sort of senses of, of, of or, or saying to somebody, look, these are the kind of things that you should be doing and telling somebody how they should be sort of modelling their, their kind of behaviours. Because really in any, in any kind of world, we want to be able to live where anybody, regardless of their ability or kind of disability or, or gender or sexuality, or whatever it might be, should be able to go outside and exercise without any fear of, of kind of judgment or, or any kind of unwarranted attention or, or harassment. Yeah. And they should be able to do that, like where they want. I agree. I don't think women, we should, anyone, like you say, should have to change their behaviours. If they want to go out to exercise, they should be able to, no matter their ability or wherever that is. Yeah. And it's also social media as well, isn't it? With, um, you know, if something did happen to somebody, they would normally, um, if they were on social media and if they were, you know, used the platform quite a lot, they would probably depending on the person, but they, a lot of people do t- tend to write about it. But do you think that that's a good thing, um, Dave, to have that outlet of, of social media to spread the awareness and to have almost like a, a community for the women to, to engage with and, and feel like they're not alone? Yeah, I, I think it is on the whole a kind of positive. And I think it's, I mean, in one, I guess, hopefully it's kind of empowering um, and that women runners feel as though, yeah, they can kind of come forward and, and, and have a voice and be listened to. Yeah. Um, so to be able to kind of yeah talk about their own kind of experiences um, and whether that's through kind of social media or more kind of mainstream you know kind of newspapers and, and, and kind of news coverage so yeah hopefully on the whole that's that's kind of positive and it's making it's kind of shining a light on harassment that people are are aware that this goes on um, whereas I think certainly in the past there was a sense that there was it was almost invisible I'm sure it's always probably always occurred um, but certainly, you know, if I think back to the early days of my kind of scholarly research in this, you know, it was largely kind of overlooked and, and underdeveloped. Um, and I think that's certainly changing now as well. Yeah, it should hopefully, like you say, give the women a sense of empowerment and then, you know, feel a bit more, I don't know, positive and a bit more confident, perhaps going out a little bit and how they could possibly, you know, enhance their experiences a little bit. Um from your research, like then, what do you think, you know, would be the solution to all this, I suppose? Um, obviously, can't cure the world in, in one fell swoop. But what do you think needs to be done in order to sort of reduce this harassment, particularly for women um, and running? And what needs to be done to make them feel safer? Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> what, what should we or, or what, what can we do? And I think often when, yeah, I've always kind of, yeah, come out on almost in a bit of a cold sweat when I've been asked this before, because I think it's such a difficult question to give um, an answer to. You know, it's a kind of, a, it's a, people talk about kind of w- wicked kind of problems, and it's one of those really difficult problems to, to, to kind of seek solutions to. I think generally when you look at, at perhaps kind of running organisation sort of campaigns, most advice that's given is about kind of running with other people. So that if there's a sense of, of kind of vulnerability, if you're out there as a kind of a lone runner, then do you have a sense of, of kind of greater sort of perceived sort of security if you're out running with others? So, so I guess that might be part of it, but I think there is a kind of a caveat to that. Um, and it's certainly something that I found in my own research that in no way running with others uh, is, is sort of cocoons you from, from um, harassment. 
Um, I've got lots of examples of people that are running in, in kind of large groups or in small groups who have still experienced, um, in some cases, some, some pretty sort of traumatic and distressing forms of, of harassment. Plus, I think also we need to be mindful for a lot of people that actually isn't practical. You know, for lots of people, running is a, is a solitary pursuit. I think other things that people come forward with, so um, I guess if you've got a dog, a number of women runners that I've spoken to have said, you know, winning, running with a canine is actually quite a, a, quite a kind of a positive thing. But again, is that, is that kind of practical for, for everybody? No, it isn't. Um, so I guess the broader response to it is, is thinking much more about the kind of culture that is kind of creating this, this kind of phenomenon. And then I think we're going down a route much more around what do you do to kind of prevent this? What do you do to educate? What do you do to kind of raise awareness? So I think in many ways it is looking then at the kind of underlying sort of structural, sort of cultural, sort of social causes of, of harassment. Um, and I know recently, again, in light of the whole kind of Me Too and, and kind of Sarah Everard, there's been quite a lot, I think, of almost sort of saying to men, you know, you need to sort of change your own kind of behaviours. And, um, you know, I think of the, the number of times that people have then said, well, you know, don't walk behind a, a woman that's walking home kind of late at night. You know, think about what you're doing and think about the, you know, what impact that might be having on the kind of the people around you. But again, I think there's a sense that that's, again, very much focusing on the kind of individual kind of behaviours. And that's not necessarily going to have a larger scale kind of cultural kind of impact. Um, and it's the same in the kind of criminal legal um, kind of perspective. That Again, we're treating this as kind of retrospective, that the harassment's already occurred and then somebody's going to report it. So again, that's not necessarily a kind of a solution. I think ultimately it is, it is about education and it's about almost trying to shatter a kind of a, a normalisation that, um, you know, almost like a, a, a woman's body is, is, is kind of public property and that a woman out running and exercising is, is kind of fair game, and that they're to be kind of gazed and ogled at and, and catcalled and harassed and so on. So it is about changing that, that mentality, that kind of normalisation of this kind of everyday sort of sexism. Um, and in some ways then, you know, that starts very early on. Um, you know, I've got colleagues at, at Nottingham Trent who, who have done work around, you know, sort of sexual and, and, and kind of um, sexist, um, harassment that starts at you know kind of school and kind of college level so it is almost about a, a broader kind of cultural sort of challenge but I think it's also about policy as well and it's about you know policy and politics um, you know and you think currently about you know people in positions of, of power you know kind of political leaders you know again you know there are a number of people there that, that aren't doing this movement any favours because of the kind of comments and, and their own behaviours so, yeah, we need this kind of sea change. Jess, what did you make of that interview? I thought Dave raised some really interesting points. And one of the things that stuck out for me is is just the way society kind of, like you were saying, when a woman goes on a run, she's fair game. Like, how awful is that? Because that, that's true. That's not just what Dave thinks. That is kind of the perceived um, thought of, of her being, you know, fair game and, um, and you know, public property, which is, um, I think, and also I think it's it's the fact that the men who do the harassing don't feel that there'll be any repercussions. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, he, he, 
he sort of delves into a deeper layer of the harassment issue. It's not just people shouting at you from the side of the street. It, it, it comes from a wider systemic problem in terms of the culture, the society. And like you say, the, when he mentioned like, oh, it's, you know, she's public property once you go out exercising, like that's awful. Um, you know, everybody should be able to have the opportunity to go out and exercise. But if you then think, you know, you both, you expressed a story, I've expressed like, very similar situations and it is just expected and it's shocking really and I've got to a point now I do react to it I shout back I do hand gestures how on earth do people think that this is okay but that's the culture that's been created and like you say it needs to be perhaps more criminalized or these people need to have an acknowledgement that they can be reprimanded for even just like shouting something out of the car when you're running on the side of the road um yeah it's it raised a lot of issues that makes you think wider about the whole problem um and yeah he's he's got a lot of interesting uh, research as well so if anybody who wants to find out more then they can obviously get in touch with us get in touch with Dave um or if they want to share their story with Dave he'd be a great person to put it into sort of a research context and actually have some involvement in policy making as well so yeah great great insights there so that's it for this week thank you for joining us as we open up the conversation around female physiology and women's health to do with sport and exercise If you have the time, please do rate and review us on your podcast app. We would really appreciate it as it will help more women to discover us and help us open up the conversation for more people. Thanks again to our title sponsors for this series, Umi Health. Umi is your go-to one-stop hub for all things pelvic health. Come join the revolution at umi-health.com.